0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This morning as we take a look into uh, community, and I was looking up the definition of community, uh, Webster's Merriam defines community as a unified body of individuals. And you can see that in a, a number of different ways and uh, you know you can see it that a number of people would be unified based on where they live or they might be unified based on a common interest or they might be unified simply based off of some uh, situation that they might have been placed in but regardless community is so important, isn't it? You can see that community is important for us today as you think about the people that you interact with on a, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Uh, you might not think of it this way, but when you go to your workplace, there's a community there. there's there's some unity there with you and your coworkers.'re you're, you're working together, you're working on a project together about the places that you go to, the stores and and places that you shop at uh, around your neighborhood. and and uh, here at church, of course, we have a community. and everywhere around the world you see community and, and you see that God even built community into. Uh, the animal kingdom, you think about, you know, you might have seen, uh, you know, the birds as they, they fly overhead, you know, the, the geese or whatever, and a lot of times they have that V formation, don't they, right? They fly in that formation, and, uh, and uh, there's kind of a sense of community there. There's a purpose uh, there. They're traveling in the same direction, and, and because they're traveling in the same direction, God has built into them this, this uh, formation that helps them. And uh, it, it gives them a lot of great efficiency. The lead bird, as he flaps his wings, provides some lift for those that are immediately behind. And they continue, uh, it continues all the way down the line. There's a great benefit for being in that formation. And, uh, and what it also does as well is those that maybe fall out of the formation... They, they, they feel the drag of being out there by themselves, and it draws them back in line. And it draws them back into that community if you will, if you ever watch a kind of uh, sports where they're, they're racing around, uh, maybe, maybe you watch the Tour de France, or maybe you watch uh, race cars or whatever, they, they talk about this this drag a lot, where a car on its own is not able to drive as quickly as those that are all, all lined up. And, and the same is true of those uh, pedaling on, on a bicycle. And so we see that there's a, a great importance to being a part of a group, uh, uh, the birds that fly overhead. If, if, if uh, somebody gets tired, the guy at the lead gets tired, then he can fall back into formation and somebody else will take the lead. And so we see a lot of these principles here that we could definitely apply here in our own church. I believe that it's God's plan for us to have community. God, when he first created Adam, he said, it is not good for him to be alone. God made it as a part of us to be a part of a community. And you can even see in the word, the word unity. God's plan for all of us is unity. Unity in community. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, there's a right kind of unity that God wants for us to have, and we'll take a look at it here in Acts chapter number 2. I see that there is unity from Christ's purification. Unity from Christ's purification. What was it that unified these people here in Acts chapter number 2? What is it that unified this group of 120 disciples with this new group of 3,000 new believers? What was it? It was unity from Christ's purification verse 41 we read it says then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls so we see that they were gathered together they were joined together and we see how it is that it happened we see that there was a realization of their situation verse number 37 if you read back just a few verses from where we started Here is Peter, and he's uh, there on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came down, and and there were some miracles, and and, uh, people were wondering what's going on. And Peter stood up, and and he preached, and he told them about Jesus Christ. And in verse number 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they heard the preaching of the apostle Peter, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You could see right here in this passage that the believers, or not the believers, but the people that were there realized their condition. They realized their situation. Of course, we understand that the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. We all need to come to, or have come to that realization that we are all sinners. We all need to come to that realization. We all need to have come to the understanding that every single one of us is a sinner. James chapter 4 verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I think every single one of us has been in a situation where we're put in a dilemma, put in a situation where we know what we should do and we choose to do something else. Right? I think every single one of us could probably think of a situation where we knew the right thing to do. We knew the thing that we were supposed to do, but instead of doing that thing, for whatever reason, maybe there's peer pressure, maybe we didn't want to face some consequences, we chose to do something else, right? I think every single one of us could admit to having done that. You know, the Bible calls that sin. And every one of us has sinned. And Romans chapter 6, verse 23 gives us the consequence of that. For the wages of sin is death. You know, we need to come to a realization of our condition so that we realize where we are going. We need to understand the road that we are on so we understand the destination of the path that we are traveling on. And when we choose sin, we choose the road to death, destruction, in hell. You know, I remember when, when I was, I think I was a teenager at the time, uh, there was a, I was part of the youth group at my church and uh, there, was a, uh, there was a big group of us that, you know, we grew up together, uh, we went to church together, we went to youth camp and activities together and, and uh, we just, uh, some of my closest friends are, are part of that youth group and I'm so grateful for them and the influence that they were on my life. And, and I remember, I think I was a teenager at the time, one of my friend's uh, mother uh, she was, uh, that family was very faithful in our church, and uh, she had been missing services for a few weeks. And, the, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to my friend, and she said, oh, you know, she's really sick. And she's been sick. She's not feeling well. And then they took her to the hospital, and they, 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 they diagnosed her with having some pneumonia. And so they started digging in a little bit more and a little bit deeper. So why, why is this condition come? And they discovered the source of it. They discovered that there was cancer in her body. And it had spread from its original source, I don't remember where, into her lungs and into various parts of her body. And within a, a, a few weeks, I remember hearing from them that they're preparing for their mother to pass away. When I was in New Jersey, um, we went to this conference. And there was, a, there was a, 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 there's a lot of preachers and a lot of singing. It was a great conference. I really enjoyed it. And uh, every single year, they would show this video of this man. His, uh, his name was Matt. And uh, Matt was—he uh, was—he uh, had uh, gone to that church, and uh, he had graduated from the Christian school that was there, and uh, he had started going to Bible college, and then he had been diagnosed with cancer as well. And so they put a video up of him, and uh, just to give a testimony of him and his life, and and he was talking about things, and he went back to his old home in Philadelphia where he first heard the gospel, and. And uh, so he was standing there and he said, you know, uh, here, here am I. You know, I'm a Bible college student and, you know, I don't like to talk about it, but this is my condition. You know, cancer is, is a condition that I have and, and it's a terrible disease. It's a, it's a, it, uh, it strips you of your strength and, and it takes you uh, down the, the, this road of suffering and eventually it, it ended up taking his life. But he said, sin is even worse than cancer because cancer will take me from this earth but sin will send me to hell. And we need to understand the road that we are on. We need to understand the consequence of our sins. So that we understand the road that we're on and and think about maybe I need to get on a different road so that I don't end up in that destination. And we see the people here in this passage in Acts chapter 2, they realized their situation and so they wanted to repent from their sins. Verse 38 here in response to what should we do? What should we do differently? In verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent. He said unto them, repent of your sins. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You know what God says? God says, hey, if you, if you come to the realization and confess and agree on your sin, then you can receive mercy. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says, But after that, the kindness and love of God of our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Jesus, of course, as I'm sure all of you know, he came to this earth and he died on a cross. Sometimes when I go out door knocking, I ask, I ask people or I talk to people and I, I ask them the question, if they've been to church and, and they, they know some of the Bible stories, I ask them about, you know, you, you know that Jesus died on the cross? And they would say yes. And I would ask them the question, Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And Sometimes they might know an answer. Sometimes they would just uh, repeat something that they had maybe heard in their church. But Jesus had to die on the cross because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That there's a payment for our sin, and Jesus came to this earth to pay for that sin. And so thirdly, we see the reception of the Savior. Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Romans ten nine says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, the Bible promises that every single one of us if we have realized that we are a sinner and we realize our condition and we realize the, the wages for our sins and we realize that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we can call on Jesus. We can have our sins to be paid for and have our sins to be forgiven and have a home in heaven today. You know, I was reading uh, uh, recently about uh, some stories from... You all remember that earthquake in the, in, the, in the Indian Ocean in the South Pacific where uh, there was a big tsunami. You all remember that in 2004? How many of you remember that story? There was a big tsunami. Hundreds of thousands of people died. I mean, it was a terrible tragedy. I was reading about some of the stories of some individuals that were there at that time, and I was reading about the story of Luke, uh, this guy named Luke. And he was, uh, he was a teacher in, in Thailand on one of the islands that was there. And uh, he's, he's telling his story, and he said he was there with his brother and uh, his girlfriend, and so he was teaching there, he was working there, and uh, so there were the three of them there, and uh, he said, you know, I just, on, on the morning of, you know, we, we didn't see the ocean or anything, and, and we were just sitting in a cafe, and we were just eating our breakfast and, and suddenly they started hearing some screaming and, and uh, people running through the, the cafeteria and, and they were running through the restaurant and around and they were wondering what's going on and, and uh, what's all the commotion about and then they heard some people speaking in Thai that the, 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 the water's coming. The water's coming, and so they said, oh, what, what's going on? And so they, 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 they stepped outside, and they said it was just pure chaos. Everybody's running everywhere. People are screaming, and, and nobody knows what's going on, and, and uh, so they, they just start running, and they start running, and running, and running, and uh, he says he, he, he realized that the, that the waves are coming, and so he says, we got to go up. And so they, he, he tried to climb up onto this roof and he, and he, he climbed up on the roof and, and his brother and his girlfriend were still down there and so he reached down and he grabbed his his girlfriend's arm and, and uh, tried to pull her up and, and she was caught on something and he says the waves they just started rising and rising he said it was it was less like a, like a like water and more like a moving landfill it, the waves had just picked up everything trees garbage uh, just uh, buildings and and it was just it was just like a moving landfill and he said he He's, uh, he's trying to grab her, and, and uh, all of this debris is just coming up. In the matter of three to four seconds, it just rises up and basically covers her head. And all he, is, all he sees there is, is her hand. He's grabbing on, and, and he doesn't know what to do. Eventually, somehow, she gets freed, and so he pulls her up. And so now she's up there on the roof. Luke and his girlfriend are standing there on the roof, and they look back down, and they don't see his brother so they're thinking maybe he's going down, and so they look farther down, and it was a little while later that they, that they found out that, that his brother had died. But you know, sin and destruction is kind of like that tsunami. You know, if you stay in your sinful condition, hell is coming. And Jesus is reaching down his hand, and he says, I can save you out of the coming destruction. Will you be saved? If you're not saved today, you can call unto Jesus and have your sins to be forgiven. You can know that you are free from the destruction of hell forever because Jesus reached out and can pull you up out of the coming destruction. If you're sitting here this morning, you say, I'm not 100% sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not 100% sure that if I die today that I'm not going to hell. Today could be the day. Because know for sure, if you stay in your sinful condition, hell is coming. And there's no avoiding hell. It's going to come. But Jesus said, if you take my hand, if you trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who have paid for your sins, you can be saved. No amount of church will take you to heaven. No amount of uh, of doing good deeds will take you to heaven. You know, you might have been going to church your whole life. That doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. You might know even a lot about the Bible, but if you haven't trusted in Christ as your Savior, then you're not going to heaven. You must have put your soul, faith, and trust in the Lord. And when you do, the Bible says that you become born again. You are born into the family of God. You have God as your heavenly Father. And now you are part of this family, brothers and sisters together in Christ. You know, there's a great unity that's there, right? There's a great unity in family. And that's what happens when people, they put their trust in Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. There's great unity that is there. Secondly, I see that there is unity from church partnership. Unity from church partnership. Verse number 42, we see what happens with these believers as they have put their trust in Christ. They are now part of the family of God. Now they are part of a church. And it says in verse number 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They continued in the teachings and in the doctrine of the apostles. We see that there is unity from church partnership in study. That's what we see in verse number 42. They were learning from the doctrine, from the teaching, and there is great growth in knowledge. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 2, in describing our spiritual lives as newborn babes, as a, a newborn child, he desires the sincere milk of the word. You know, Brother Robbie just had a, had a child recently. You know, my child is, uh, you know, uh, still one years old, and so it's still fresh in my mind. I, I remember, you know, a newborn baby all day long. They want to eat every one or two hours, every, every single hour they want to eat, they want to eat, they want to eat. And that's the way God describes a newborn believer. as a newborn babe, as a newborn baby wants to have food all the time, constantly, a newborn Christian desires the sincere milk of the word that he may grow, thereby Second Peter chapter three verse 18 says, "But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior." Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever, amen. We often describe relationships in this way, in terms of being close, right? We might describe a relationship as, hey, we're close, we're pretty close. Sometimes you might describe a relationship as, oh, we haven't spent much time together, we've grown apart. You know, if you spend a lot of time together, you might say, we've gotten really Close. If you haven't spent a lot of time together, we haven't talked in a long time, we're not as close. You might even say, I feel like we're growing apart. When we grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we get closer and closer to the Lord. You know, we have people spread out all over the auditorium. And uh, let's say uh, somebody were here, let's say uh, Brother Price here represents uh, this morning, he's going to represent God. Brother Price is God this morning. And so we might say, all right, if God is here, when we grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we get closer, and we get closer, and we get closer to God as we grow in knowledge. So now I'm closer to Brother Price, I'm closer to God than I was before. But you know what's also true? As I grow closer to God, I grow closer together with others who are also close to God. You know, Mrs. Price is sitting right here. She was very close. She's the closest to God of anybody here in this room. She's the closest here. And as I grow closer to God, then I grow closer with her. And those of you that have grown, maybe those of you in the the vicinity, we could use this illustration, you're closer to God, you're also closer to Mrs. Price. Those of you that are farther away, you need to get closer to God, okay? <laughs> all right? I'm just kidding, right? But you know, those of you that are on the, you know, if we were to use that illustration, as you grow closer to God, as all of us, let's say all of us were to get closer and closer and closer to God, you could see that we would get closer and closer to each other. And so that's what the Bible says of these believers is that they were growing in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. They were growing and receiving the knowledge. And as they grew in their knowledge and in the grace of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they would grow closer to him. And as they did so, they would grow closer together with those who were also close to God. And so we see that there is a great community that happens from a group of believers that says every Sunday I want to be here because I want to learn more about my Savior Jesus Christ so that I can get closer to him and also grow closer together with those in this community that we might call Bible Baptist Church. I want to get closer together with other believers. I want to get closer together. We also see that there is a unity from church partnership first of all in study but also in supply. In verse number 44, and all them that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. There was a very specific need that was here in the church. There was a specific need that a deficiency that was fulfilled by other people who were also part of that church. And that is God's plan for the church. You know, God has described the church as a body. We see that in first Corinthians chapter 12. In verse number 20, it says, but now are they many members yet, but one body. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You know, what's great about a a church like ours, and what's really great about every church, is that there's a lot of diversity in the church. There's a lot of diversity in a lot of different ways, and, and it's just like our body, because our body is very diverse, isn't it? Not Our whole body is not just... Two hands, right? Our body is not just eyes. Our body is not just feet. Our body is not just a mouth, right? Somebody's got to be the mouth. Somebody's the eyes. Somebody is the hands. Somebody is the feet. And we have all of this diversity that fulfills different functions. And they help each other, right? We have internal organs that you might not see, but they're vital for the survival of the body. You know, and there's a lot of service that goes on in in a church that you might not see. You might not see it. You might not uh, recognize it. You might not even know that it happens. But there's a lot of service from different people that they serve in their families. They serve in the church. They serve in different areas that fulfill vital functions for the survival of the body that's, that are essential for the survival of the church. And verse number 25 says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored? All the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular." We see that there is great unity from church partnership. Not that we're identical in our skills, our talents, our viewpoints, or or even things like that, but that we have a unity because we are saved, and we'll get to this, we have the same purpose in Jesus Christ. And we uh, serve and fulfill in different functions. Thirdly, I also see that there is a unity from church partnership in spirit. Verse 46, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You see a great uh, joy that is here in the church, right? You see that people, they spent time together. They would worship daily. It says every day they would be in the temple area. Now, that doesn't mean that every single person was there every single day. But every day there was a meeting here at this first church. So every single day they would meet. But not only would they meet corporally, they would meet together, just friends together, and breaking bread from house to house. It wasn't the whole church of 3,000 people coming together to somebody's house. Can you imagine the stress on the family? trying to host a party for 3,000 people. But it was, you might just have one or two families here gathering together. And that's a great thing. You would see some people gathering together, having fun together, enjoying each other's company. People who may have never known each other, never seen each other before, now they're going over to each other's houses. And it says that they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. You could understand the joy of a group of people that were standing in a place where hell was coming their way. And Jesus saved them out. And they're standing here in a safe place. And there's another person standing here right next to you in the same situation. Standing in hell's destruction or on, in, the, in the path of hell's destruction before. And trusted in Jesus Christ and now Jesus Christ has pulled them out and now they are standing together. The joy that they would be able to share together. The rejoicing that they would be able to have to say, I'm so glad that I'm saved. And there might be another individual that says, I'm so glad that I'm saved too. How did, how did you come to know the Lord? And they would describe this is where I was and, and this is how I was and this is what I was thinking and this is the path that I was on and this is this is the life that I was living and this was the, the purpose of my life. And then somebody came and told me the gospel and I understood that hell was coming my way and I needed to do something, I needed to figure out how to get out. And Jesus said, I I will show you the way. There is only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so Jesus said, I will save you if you trust in me. It says, I trust in you to save me from my sins. And God saved them and pulled them out of hell's path. You can imagine these people, they're just rejoicing together. I'm so glad that I'm saved. You know, that's a great thing for us as a church body to just do when we're here together. Just to say, I'm glad that I'm saved. Amen. Just to gather gather together, maybe on a Wednesday night. You know, sometimes we have some testimonies and different people have testimonies. And sometimes somebody will just say, basically, I'm glad that I'm saved. I'm glad that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I'm glad that somebody told me about salvation. I got saved two years ago. I praise the Lord for that. I got saved three years ago, and I praise the Lord for that. There's some great unity from church partnership. Thirdly, I also see there is unity from common purpose. Verse number 47, we see these two purposes. First of all, we see in giving glory to the Lord. Verse 47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people. Their purpose was to praise the Lord. You know, that's our purpose. You know, our purpose here as a church body is to praise the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do here at church. When we gather together in a church service, that is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to give glory to the Lord. You know, in in Revelation chapter number four, there's a passage where John the Apostle, he gets to see a picture of heaven. I wonder what that was like. You know, you see, you see the words that are written here. But I wonder what exactly it was that John the Apostle, what exactly it looked like. And John describes some of those things. There was a, there was a throne that was there in heaven, and there is a majestic individual sitting on that throne. And there are 24 elders sitting around the throne. And there are four beasts that they are flying around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. The, the elders, they're wearing crowns. Out of the throne is coming out lightning and thunder. And in front of the throne is a sea of glass that just looks like a pure crystal. I mean, I wonder what exactly it was that, that John saw. And one day we're going to see it. Those of you that are saved, we're going to see this throne. We're going to see this individual face to face. And we're going to be there. But I want you to see what it says in verse number 10. It says, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. And worship him that liveth forever and ever and casteth their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, for his pleasure, they are and were created. You know, God makes it very clear here that there is an individual worthy of our worship. There is an individual here that is worthy of our praise. There is an individual here worthy of our lives because we were created by Him. We were created by the Lord. We were created by Jesus Christ. We were created for His pleasure. And when those of us We have our sins to be forgiven. We are part of the family of God. We are joined in with the church, and we join in with a common purpose. I no longer live for myself. I live for the Lord. And every single one of us as believers today, that ought to be the call of our lives, the call of our hearts. I am here to give glory to the Lord. My life is not my own. It is in Christ. It is for the Lord. And so we see here that, that, that John the Apostle, as he hears the words, he, all of the beings in heaven, they understand this. They understand that it was for the Lord that they were created. There's a, a football coach, uh, Herm Edwards. If you keep up with football, you may have heard the name. He used to be a coach. I think he may have just got hired again. But he was, uh, he was coaching in Kansas City. And, and uh, whenever it would come to teamwork on the team, he would say this. The players that play on this football team will play for the name on the side of the helmet and not the name on the back of the jersey. You know, as, as football players, they would have the names on the back of the jersey, right? You watch an NBA a game, you watch a football game, they got names on the back of the jerseys. What's interesting, though, is in the NFL, everybody's got a name on the back of the jersey. But you know, in college, some teams have the name on the back of the jersey, some teams do not. But those of you that watch college football, you may be familiar with this. Some of the teams, there's no names on the back. You know what? For us as a church, we ought to live that way. We ought to live in a way that says, hey, there's no name on the back of my jersey. There's only the name of my team. There's only the name of my team, Jesus Christ. There's only the name of the Lord that we are living for. We are living for the Lord. And so we see that there is a unity from common purpose in giving glory to the Lord, also in giving the gospel to the lost. Verse number 47, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You know, that was a great day here in Acts chapter number 2. It went from 120 people to now 3,120 people. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a church renovation project. Can you imagine if we went from our church of, you know, all, all of the ministries together, let's say we have about 200 people together on a Sunday. We went from 200 people to 3,200 people can you imagine all the people streaming in? Where are we going to put them and what do we do with them? That's, that's the problem of this church. And, and, and you might say, whoa, this is, this is too much for our church. But you know what? These people, they said, hey, you know what? There's still more people that need to be saved. There are more people that need to be reached. And so they would continue to reach out. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 5 says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day, until now. Here's Paul the Apostle. He went around to different countries, to different nations, to different cities, to preach the gospel. And he he wrote back to the Church of Philippi, and he said, I'm grateful that you are continuing to minister to reach people with the gospel, because the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Every one of you in this room, the gospel is for you. Every person in our community, the gospel is for them. Everyone in our city, everyone in the world, the gospel is for them. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, I had some friends. Uh, they're from the Seattle area, and uh, uh, the, the, the Seahawks, they went to the Super Bowl, and uh, this was their second year in the Super Bowl, and so they said, "We're going to go." And so there were four of them, four guys, four, four friends of mine, they went down, they flew from Seattle to Arizona to go watch the Super Bowl. And I don't know exactly how much they spent, but they spent several thousand dollars in order to go. the Super Bowl. You know those tickets for the Super Bowl, they're very expensive, aren't they? You know, the Super Bowl tickets, they're not like a dollar. They're not like 50 cents. They're not like $10. You know, you want to go to the Super Bowl, you're paying at least, what, $2,000 to get into the Super Bowl? You know why? There's only 70,000 seats in the Super Bowl. And there's more than 70,000 people that want to be there. And so you know what? It keeps going up. Prices go up. Prices go up more and more expensive. Why? Because it's so exclusive. But you know what? Heaven is not exclusive at all. There's enough seats for everybody. It's not like heaven is a 70,000 seat auditorium. Heaven's not like a, a million uh, 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 populated a city with only houses and apartments for this many people, there's room in heaven for you. There's room in heaven for everybody. And so Paul says there are still empty seats waiting to be filled. So I'm going to spend my time trying to get somebody to hear the gospel, to trust in Christ so that they will be able to be in heaven filling that seat. Romans chapter 1, verse number 15 says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul says, It is available for everybody. Nobody is excluded from it if you will trust in Christ as your Savior. And those of us that are saved, we now have the purpose of somebody told me about the gospel and now I'm on my way to heaven. Now I want to tell somebody else as well. We sang the song Jesus Saves earlier. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus Saves. Jesus Saves. Amen, that we've heard the song. We've heard the sound that Jesus Saves. But then it says spread the tidings all around. Jesus Saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land, climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward, tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. You know, there's a great unity in common purpose. You know, we might have our differences. We might have our different preferences. We might have our different viewpoints. But what will help us to be united together is to understand there's still people out there that need to be saved. Hey, let's lay aside some of our differences hey, you know what, maybe, maybe I disagree with, with this or maybe I want to do it this way and you want to do it this way. But while we squabble together, there are lost people who are waiting to hear the gospel. Hey, let's, let's unite together in a common purpose of reaching people with the gospel. This morning, as we take a look at community, we see that there's a great unity that God desires for us and he has the power to bring us into unity. But that unity comes from Christ's purification. If you have not trusted in Christ as your Savior today, today could be the day. Today needs to be the day. But also there is unity from church partnership as we gather together. And also there is unity from common purpose in giving glory to the Lord and reaching people with the gospel. Let's pray.